Hello again, fight fans. Welcome to the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast, episode 339 for the week of December 3rd, 2022. I am your host, Michael Montero. As always, I remind you, please make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you click that notification bell so you never miss a live video of the show. But if you do, it's all good. You can catch the replay later. You can catch the audio pod on podcast platforms around the world. Just look for Montero Unboxing, the neutral corner. You will find me. And as always, I remind you, please leave that rating, leave that review. Make sure that you're liking, subscribing, and pay the fee. We don't charge a monetary fee here. We don't run ads here. All I ask is that every single week, if you guys get something out of the show, if you get some value out of it, if you laugh, you chuckle, you yell at the screen, whatever it is, if you get something out of the show, that you just tell somebody, man. Share it on your social media. Spread the word. We are building an organic following here on the show. You guys know I work with platforms all around the world. But this show, independent operators. So I need your guys' help. Just spread the word. All right? Again, this is TNC339. And uh, make sure that you go ahead and jab that like button right now. And uh, we're about to get started. We have a special guest here on the show. We're going to bring him on in just a second. Brandon Bulletproof Glanton. 17 and 0, 14 knockouts, American cruiserweight. Yeah, American cruiserweight. You don't hear those words go together much, right? You think of the cruiserweight division, you think international fighters. A lot of the champions are from Europe, the UK, different parts of the world. But uh, Brandon Glenton is an exciting cruiserweight prospect. He is headlining a pro box show this Friday in Florida, going up against another undefeated fighter, David Light, out of New Zealand. The winner of this. Figures to be in the title mix at some point next year, hunting Lawrence Okole, who has that WBO cruiserweight belt right now. Both uh, Glanton and Light are top 10 rated by the WBO. So, all right, guys, smash that like button. Get crack a beer. Get your popcorn ready. All that good stuff. Enjoy the show. We're going to bring our guest on right now. We're bring Bulletproof right here on the show. Brandon Bulletproof Glanton. Hello, sir. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Hey, you pretty good. How you doing? Doing great, brother. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Finishing up training camp here. I'm ready to go put on a show. Yeah, you look like you're dialed in, man. You're uh are you, you I guess you're down there in Florida, right? Not yet. So I'm still in Alabama. I'll be in Florida tomorrow. Oh, okay. So that was gonna be my next question because you're originally from Atlanta, but you've I think lived in Riverside, California. Where are you living and training out of these days right now? So I live in Atlanta, Georgia, and I train in Fort Mitchell, Alabama. Make that uh, that commute there whenever okay. I'm in training camp. Okay, and you fought all over. You fought in Los Angeles, New York, Atlanta. But this is your third fight now in a row in Plant City, Florida, just outside of Tampa. Uh, how are you liking it with Pro Box? What's your experience been like uh, fighting under the Pro Box banner and, and fighting – there in Florida. Oh yeah, Pro Box is a, it's a beautiful thing. Um, probably one of the best things to happen to my career, being that you know Gary is fine with the cruiserweight division. He's fine with putting it on everywhere with the network. So it works out really good. It gives me an opportunity to stay close to home and fight competition from the other side of the planet. So it's good. Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting you mention that because your opponent is from New Zealand, David Light. He's coming here to America. Uh, what do you know about your opponent? Do you know anything about him? 
Um, I know he's a family man. Um, I know he's a good, uh, he's a one-two fighter. Um, he's pretty flat-footed. Um, he's got some good hand speed. So uh, I know he's coming to fight. Um, obviously, he wants to protect his O. So I know it'll be a, a good, tough fight. And, uh, all the fans here at Pro Box and whoever, wherever, wherever else they can catch it, they're definitely in for a show. I mentioned in the in my intro, you know, you're an American cruiserweight prospect. Those are words you don't hear together very much in boxing these days. You I'm think not a prospect. I'm no longer a prospect. Okay, all right, all right. Thank you for correcting me. I like that. So you you, you are undefeated American cruiserweight contender. You do not hear those words together much these days in boxing. Absolutely. You think of the cruiserweight division. There's a lot of guys who are overseas. Uh, why do you think this division just hasn't caught on here in America as much? You know, I, I can't answer that question clearly. I do know that, you know, after Evander Holyfield got out of the amateurs, uh, you mm-hmm. know, like heavyweight, and then he basically it was built for him. So um, I can only hope that uh, it catches on soon. Hopefully, hopefully this is the fight to do it, right? Right. You know? Uh, Boba Pote and I put on a good show. So I think uh, the U.S. is definitely aware that, that we're here. But, um, you know, with the heavyweights kind of slowing down here, uh, maybe that'll give them a chance to see uh, what we're about. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I'm a huge fan of the Cruiserweight division because you guys have so much power and explosiveness, just like the heavyweights, but you're a lot faster. You're more athletic. And you have a fan-friendly style, that come-forward style. How would you describe yourself as a fighter for the fans that are, are just starting to get to know you? Uh, let's see, uh, exciting in the least. Uh, definitely a volume puncher. Um, very offensive. Uh, very um, assertive, you know, assertive. Um, like you say, assertive over aggressive because sometimes aggression can be blind, right? Right. But assertive, assertive aggression, you know. But yeah, it's definitely, uh, like you said, fan friendly. And right now, the WBO has you rated seventh. Your opponent, David Light, is rated sixth. I know you've mentioned, you know, you want to give, you want to go for that title shot. I know you guys have, I think, propositioned the WBO before. Um, do you feel that you're ready after this fight to go for the title shot? And would it be Lawrence Okole? Absolutely. Um, and if, I don't. I can't say it'll be Okole or not. I would like it to be, but um, definitely ready for that opportunity. Um, I feel like this fight is the, the last piece of what I'll need. So, yeah, definitely. Um, and if any of the other champions, I would, I would love any of those opportunities. But. As of right now, David Light is on my radar. He's what's in front of me, and I don't want to get too caught up in talking about other fighters when I got one, you know, staring down my neck right now, you know? Right, right. So I can't get you to call out anybody right now here. Oh, no, no. no. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, shit. Brandon, are you still there? We lost you. Oh, man, I'm sorry, guys. I think we just lost. I don't know if he hit a dead spot. As you saw, he was driving. Brandon. Ah, oh, that sucks so bad. Let me text him real quick, guys. Let me see if um, I can get him to call back in. Live TV. This is what happens. This is what happens. Uh, I'm going to text him real quick just to tell him to uh, jump back on. 
Give me one second, guys. All right, so we lost Brandon Glanton, but um, as you guys saw, um, super cool guy. And let's see. Yeah, he must have hit a dead spot while he was driving. I apologize, everybody. But um, super cool guy, super humble. But when you see the way this guy fights, it's anything but. He's in there. He's hungry. He comes forward. As he mentioned, he's a volume puncher. And if you guys are not following him yet, I if you're on Instagram, I highly recommend following him there. He has a really fun account, um, posts a lot of videos of himself training and just fun, interactive videos and posts that he makes. And he's built himself a nice little profile up there, a nice little following. So if you guys are on Instagram, I highly recommend following him there. But once again, Brandon Bulletproof Glanton, 17-0, 14 knockouts. And he corrected me. I love that. He wasn't polite. About, I mean, he was polite about it, but he he, um, he immediately corrected me. I call him a prospect. And he said, no, 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 I'm a contender. And you know what? He's right. He's rated in the top 10 with the WBO. He's fighting another top 10 rated fighter. Right now, Glenn is seventh, as I mentioned, and Light is six. So you got to figure the winner of this fight Friday in Florida is at least in the top five, maybe even in the top two or three, maybe close to becoming a mandatory maybe one fight away from that. But um, I was going to get to, we were just getting there in the interview. Glanton, he wants to fight for a title. He's not one of these guys that wants to pad his record with soft touches. He wants it and he wants it now. And I love that attitude, especially from an American fighter. We just don't get that enough from young American fighters. And I think uh, Pro Box got uh, you know just a, a steal when they signed this guy uh, because I think he really has a future and he's definitely going to win titles, and he's going to be a fan favorite just because of the way he fights. You know what? I think he might be back on. Let me see if I can get him real quick. Hang on, guys. Oh, there we go. Are you still – can you hear yeah. me, Ben? Yeah, I have no idea what happened. It was smooth. And I think you just hit a dead spot, man. I hate that. You know when you're listening to the radio and it just drops for a couple seconds? Yeah. Yeah. I was just saying, um, you are somebody – who doesn't want to pad your record with all these soft touches. You want to get right to a title fight. That's correct, right? Yeah, it's just no – and listen, there's no sense in doing it. I, mean, I know some fighters have to be built and some fighters got to develop and this and that. I know, I mean, look at some of the guys I fought early in my career. It was never a choice of mine. The guy I was supposed to fight always fell out. But, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, it's like, you know – it's like, shoot it, get out the pot. What are we doing? You know? 30 yeah. years old, right? Not getting any younger. You know, we, we're working six days a week, twice a day. Why are we not? Come on. Like, let's go ahead and... That way, so we can kind of repay the fans a little bit. You know, they can see. They can find, okay, this guy's a real deal. He's not. Okay, he's not. Okay, but this one is. You know, right. it's not... It's not playing with people. It's not... I, I don't like that about boxing. So I think it's a great time for this fight. Um, I haven't spoken to to Light, you know, as far as a, a personal conversation, but I'm sure he feels the same way I do, and that's why we're the only two in the top 15 who are willing to fight another in the top 15. So that's a great point. I feel like, you know, that's increasingly rare that top-rated fighters, especially undefeated top-rated contenders, are willing to fight each other. And um, he's traveling overseas for this, so you know he's hungry. You're called, you're hungry because you want to fight for a title. You've made that very, very clear. You don't want to wait around. 
So I think that that's the kind of matchup that fans look forward to. How do you keep yourself from looking too far ahead, though, to the title shot and maybe taking this guy lightly? How do you stay focused on the mission ahead right now? Uh, just like I did in uh, earlier before the phone, before the, the video dropped out, you know, I just keep it about David. Like, let's not look at all these other people. Let's not look at this whole web. There's a person who is uh, who seems to be very respectable in front of me, so I would not tread lightly. Uh, I'm not treading lightly. I'm uh, doing everything I've always done in training camp. Um, definitely prepare for what we're about to do because if I, for whatever reason, if, if, if that doesn't work out or, you know, it won't work out for him, looking past that person, you're looking there for nothing. You know, you got to focus on what you have, you know, in front of you. Now, if there wasn't a contract signed, if there wasn't a fight in place, then obviously, yeah, we'll be looking at, okay, what which path do we want to take? How can we do it? But being that there's already a fight taking place on September, I mean, December 2nd. No, I'm, I don't plan on looking anywhere. I know which way I want it to go. But other than that, I need to uh, stay focused on David Light. And real quick, before I let you go, well, actually two things. I want to ask you about, you know, beating, being from Atlanta. Um, you mentioned Evander Holyfield earlier. You know, uh, he was an Atlanta yeah. guy. Uh, Vernon Forrest. There have been some great fighters from Atlanta. Uh, how do you it, – it isn't important to you to, to maybe build up a, a market for yourself there in your hometown because the Atlanta market itself is a sports market. is wide open. They've had Super Bowls here, Olympics here. Um, there's great potential. Do you want to try to get back to Atlanta at some point? Um, you know – I um, definitely appreciate all the fans in Atlanta. And, you know, I love my city, but the majority of my career has been outside of Atlanta. Right, uh, right. So, you know, they listen, the square circle is the same anywhere you go. If I'm blessed enough with an opportunity to fight in Atlanta, then obviously I'm going to take that opportunity. I know Vernon Forrest never wanted to fight in Atlanta because he felt like, if he couldn't sell out in Atlanta, how would promoters look at him mm -hmm. if he was over in Vegas or whatever? So I'm pretty sure we'll do we'll do pretty good in Atlanta. But um, if the opportunity doesn't present itself, then I'm not gonna. It's just kind of it is what it is. This is football country and basketball country, so um, fans still have to be educated about boxing. So wherever the show is, I'm I would have gladly gone to New Zealand, but we got mm -hmm. got him to come here, so. Fine. That's great. That's great, man. I mean, yeah. like you said, you're taking the show wherever you go, right? Wherever you yeah. go. Inside those ropes, um, you better come alive. That's for sure. All right, real quick before I let you go, what can fans expect this Friday from, from Bulletproof? A show. Um, explosive. <laughs> uh, don't blink. I can tell you that. Don't blink. Um, please uh, go follow me on all social networks at Team Bulletproof, but yeah, is that your um, handle, Team Team Bulletproof? Because I was telling everybody you got a great Instagram account. You post great videos all the time. Yeah, it's okay. uh, it's yeah, Team Bulletproof. But uh, yeah, just tell them that you know I would tell the fans to put their seatbelts on. They're gonna need it. So there you go, from the man himself. This Friday, Pro Box in Plant City, Florida. David, or, I'm sorry, branded Bulletproof Glanton versus David Light. We look forward to seeing you in the ring. Absolutely.
Thank you for the support, man. I'll see y'all soon. Thanks a lot. Ciao. All right, there he goes. There he goes. Uh, that was awesome for him to obviously you see is busy. It's fight week, guys. You know what I'm saying? For, for a fighter to join on to a show during fight week, that's a big deal because your mind is dialed in on a million different things. The last thing you want to do is jump on a podcast and talk for 20 minutes. So uh, you saw he was doing that in between driving from maybe uh, one place to another, you know, training session to another thing, whatever it is. So that was awesome that he made time for us. I look forward to watching that fight this Friday. All right, let's get on with the show. We got a bunch of stuff to uh, to discuss. We got some things to review and plenty to review. So let's uh, jump right in here to fight review. Okay, uh, this our last Saturday, sorry, November 26th, uh, we had three major fight promotions, a couple of them over in London. So let's start with those. There's a Queensberry card at the O2 Arena in London. It was broadcast here in the United States on ESPN+. And this looked like it was going to be a really interesting fight, and it was shaping up to be that. But unfortunately, an injury ruined it, so we had this like anticlimactic ending. But in the end, John Ryder scores a TKO5 win over Zach Parker, who injured his right hand. He claimed that he broke it, possibly broke it. We shall see. Uh, so this was for a vacant interim belt at Super Middleweight, where, of course, the undisputed champion is Canelo Alvarez. So the winner of this fight, John Ryder, has now positioned himself to have a mandatory fight against Canelo Alvarez next year. So his life just changed dramatically. Obviously, he's going to be a huge underdog in that fight. Massive, massive underdog. But the payday that will come with that and the exposure that will come with that fight this man's life has changed. Uh, the scores, I should mention, at the time of the stoppage, two judges had it 39-37 for Parker, and one judge had it even 38-38. So it was a close fight, but it appeared that Parker was edging the rounds, just edging the rounds, at least a few of them. And uh, either way, it was competitive, and this is going to get interesting as we headed into the middle rounds and then the injury. So that happens sometimes in boxing. There's no second string fighter that you can bring in, right? There's no injured reserve. There's none of that. You get hurt, that's it. And that's what happened here. Uh, staying in London, Matchroom had a card at Wembley Arena. This was broadcast on the zone. In the main event, Dillian White scores a majority decision over Jermaine Franklin. This was somewhat controversial. There were a lot of people that felt that Franklin, the American, had done enough to edge the fight. But in the end, two judges saw it for White, 116-112. Another judge had it even, 115-115. Now, for me, for me, I'm fine with the score. Um, I, I thought 116-112 might have been a little wide. This felt like a 115-113 kind of fight. The 115-115 card, I don't know how you get that score. You have to have multiple even rounds there, which they do a lot over in England. And I don't particularly like scoring even rounds. That's just me. but. If ever there was a fight where there were even rounds, this was it. There were several rounds where neither guy really took clear initiative. Both fighters had moments, but several rounds did feel kind of even. So I don't know. Maybe I just uh, answered my own question there. But it felt like Franklin was up going into the championship rounds. That's just how it felt. I mean, I can't remember my exact scorecard like round by round. But after about eight, nine rounds, I think I had Franklin slightly up. 
Then going into the championship rounds, White had a late surge. And real late in the fight, he kind of buzzed Franklin once or twice. And it just seemed like the American fighter, this was his first big step up, Franklin's first big step up. It felt like he just let this one slip away. You know, like it was right there. If he had stepped on the gas a little bit in the, in the 10th, 11th, 12th round, probably would have got the nod and um, walked away with a real close win. But he just kind of let it let White outwork him down the stretch. Am I crazy for that, for that opinion? That's just the way it felt for me. Maybe you guys have a different opinion out there, but um, I'm good with this going uh, Dillian White's way. So what did this fight do? Um, what did it prove? What's next? Anthony Joshua was in the crowd. He was ringside. And Eddie Hearn, who promotes Joshua, obviously, said that he would like to do a rematch between Dillian White and Anthony Joshua next year. Now, I think there's a mandatory or something or there's – I can't remember if Joshua has a, he he doesn't have a belt, but I want I can't remember there was an interim fight possibly that would delay this one to where it might go to like to next summer. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it looks like we're going to get Dillian White and Anthony Joshua back in the ring together next year. Now these two fought several years ago. White had some moments in that fight, appeared to buzz Joshua, but then Joshua came back and stopped him. Would it look any different now? I'm not sure. Dillian White didn't look spectacular in this fight. It was his first fight with uh, Buddy McGirt in his, in his corner. So it's their first time working together. You can see him working on a couple different things. Maybe he needs to continue to iron out some stuff. Um, your first fight with a new trainer, it's awkward. It, it's just awkward. And White didn't look great, but I give him this much credit. Against a young, hungry, undefeated, highly motivated opponent, White kind of bit down in those championship rounds and eked out this victory. So I give him that credit. Now for Franklin, um, this is a huge learning lesson for him. You know, he has not been the most active fighter in recent years. His weight has fluctuated. He got way up to like 270 something in his last fight before this one. So his weights fluctuated. I want to say from like the two thirties to two seventies, that's too much. You know, that, that, that inconsistency is going to kill your career. But he did some really good things in this fight. He maybe just should have let the hands go a little bit more, especially on the road against an older fighter. There's a couple of things he could work on. His biggest issue, Franklin, is other than the weight thing, he just doesn't punch very hard, man. Everything's kind of on the back foot. Even when he's in the pocket, he's kind of leaning back. He's got those weight on his back leg, but he doesn't turn over on a lot of shots. He, he arm punches and counter punches. He pot shots which works. It's great for him uh, scoring punches, especially counter shots, which he did very well against White in some spots. And he even, I think, wobbled Dillian White a few times in this fight. But um, that lack of like game-changing power, that's going to cost him in the heavyweight division. You got to have that at the top level. That being said, man, in this first big step up to fight a legit top 10 heavyweight, which Dillian White, is he still a top 10 heavyweight? Maybe not quite but he's still right there in the top dozen or so top 15 at least and he was in his backyard way way more experienced than franklin so for franklin to do the work that he did i thought overall was pretty good for him and this is something he can build on and improve upon the best thing he could do he, he took he you know his face was a little busted up he needs to rest over the holidays but the best thing franklin could do is get right back in the ring 
and fight again in like February, February, early March and fight like three or four times next year, not once or twice. That's really going to kill him, especially because of the weight issue. Uh, and he's going to be a fighter where reflexes and activity really, really, uh, he's going to rely on those things. And you got to be active for those things to be, you know, clicking on all cylinders. For White, again, it's probably going to be Anthony Joshua next year. Listen, if he loses that fight by highlight reel knockout, which is very possible, White needs to retire. At that point, there's just there's no reason to keep fighting. If he does get Joshua again in the rematch, that fight will sell over there. I know a lot of people outside of the UK and even a lot of people in the UK don't necessarily want to see that fight, but it will sell. It's Anthony Joshua. Short of Canelo Alvarez, he's the biggest star in the sport. And he's one of the most famous sportsmen in all of the UK. So, um, and then Dillian White, of course, is a UK fighter too. He's a British fighter too. So these two guys fight, it's going to do numbers over there. And it will generate money for White. White has a chance. If White lands that big left hook, especially early on when Joshua's kind of cold, he has a chance. But the smart money says Joshua wins and wins big and gets an impressive stoppage knockout over White. At that point, if you're Dillian White, walk away, dude. And if you're Anthony Joshua and you get a big emphatic win over Dillian White next spring, summer, maybe then the Deontay Wilder fight can happen. Maybe. Uh, because what, Deontay Wilder is going to fight Andy Ruiz next spring, you know, early in the year. That's what's going to happen. While Joshua's fighting White and while Wilder's fighting Ruiz, if those two guys win, it puts them on a the collision course to fight late next year. Now, some people have been uh, saw some inter interviews and stuff where I think Shelly Finkel, who is Wilder's handler, says, oh, we want the AJ fight next. That's all bullshit. That's all cap as the as the youngsters say that ain't happening next no way no how all right uh here in the united states marv nation promotions put on a card at the dignity health sports park in carson california this was on fight tv pay-per-view for 60 dollars. and as much as i liked this card it's a pretty good card overall i mean we've been given we've been given a lot of shit lately as far as our fight cards right but this top to bottom was pretty nice. There, there were a lot of interesting prospects, and it was a good main event. But $60 pay-per-view, that's tough. That's tough, especially in the middle of college football season. You had Michigan playing Ohio State. By the way, Michigan crushed Ohio State for the second year in a row. Um, you had all sorts of you know big college football games Saturday and all this stuff. Tough sell, man. Anyway, um, main event, Regis Progray, KO11 win. Over Jose Zapata wins the vacant WBC light welterweight title. Now, of course, regardless of what the sanctioning organizations say, the real champion of 140 pounds is Josh Taylor. And it sucks that he is essentially being punished for wanting to do the right thing and rematch Jack Catterall. In an era where literally 99% of fighters would not have done that, and if you get by with a close one, you just move on. Uh, no, he's rematching the guy that the fans, a lot of fans and media feel may have beat him when they fought, right? It was a very close fight. Taylor was coming off uh, what COVID. I think there was some nagging injuries. He, he says he wasn't 100%. The weight cut was difficult. Says it'll look better in the rematch. We shall see. But it sucks that he's being punished. So the real champion is Josh Taylor, even though he's been stripped from some of his belts. 
At the same time, I'm a big Regis Progray fan, and he has a legit world title now. Yeah, it's it's hard to recognize it as being you know a legit championship, but it is. It's not for an interim belt or a silver or gold belt or any of the five thousand other you know the regular belt. It's a legit world title, right? One day, I really hope that we get Taylor and Progray too, because their first fight was great. I'm a fan of both fighters. Love to see it again. Regis Progray. Got to get busier. Got to get busier. I hope 2023, he fights three times. I really, really hope so. So at the time of the stoppage, I had this fight scored eight rounds to two for Progray. This was pretty much one-way traffic. We were expecting this really close fight. There were a lot of you guys on the show picking Zepeda. I saw a lot of you guys like on Twitter and stuff picking Zepeda, which wasn't crazy at all. Not at all. I favored Progray the whole way. I, I just thought he had more levels. And that's what he showed here. Now, did I expect eight rounds to two? Did I expect a complete domination? Not like this. I was actually impressed. Like, like I've already been impressed with Progray in the past, but I was even more impressed here. And it showed, because some people thought, had he lost the hunger a little bit? Because after that Taylor fight, you know, with that first L and the money he made in the tournament and all that, he's kind of hasn't been the most active fighter. He's kind of been just wandering around in the last couple of years. Well, he showed in this fight that if he gets in there with right matchup against a top guy, fire's still there, man. He looked great. He really, really looked great. Prograde landed 156 punches to only 66 for Zepeda, according to Copybacks. That shows you just how uh, one-sided this fight was. Zepeda was competitive. He belonged in there with Prograde for sure, but Prograde clearly a level above Zepeda. Also on this card, Charles Conwell. Uh, improves to, I think, 18-0. I can't remember. The, I don't have the exact record here on my um, right, uh, my notes, guys. But uh, stays undefeated, keeps his O with a majority decision win over Juan Carlos Abreu. This is, uh, that was, of course, a, a junior uh, middleweight fight. I, I thought this was unanimous. It was a close fight in terms of being competitive, hotly contested. Abreu had moments. But according to CompuBox, Conwell landed 179 punches and Abreu landed 74, 161 to 68 in terms of power punching. So I don't know about the majority decision. Um, to me, I thought Conwell won this. Closer fight than the main event for sure, but I, this should have been unanimous in my opinion. Uh, also on the other card, undefeated Uzbekistani heavyweight. Bakordir Jalalov improves to 12-0 with 12 knockouts to the KO4 win. And two of Fernando Vargas's sons, Abado and Fernando Vargas Jr., scored Ws. So, um, fun card, like I said. But, man, if that could have been on, like, zone or ESPN or something, oh, it would have been great. Or if it would have been streamed just live on the Internet, somebody's website, that would have been cool. All right, real quick, um, Super Chat. We got a Super Chat from Sam. What's up, Sam? Thank you so much. He said, I called a KO last week. Heavy hands and better chin usually wins in fights with punchers. And Regis made 139 pounds easy. Great point, Sam. Yeah, when you got two guys that are known as punchers, and one clearly has heavier hands, it is more explosive, more athletic, um, and then he has the better, more proven chin. Yeah, he's going to make it look easy. That's exactly what he did. 
And so uh, that was a, a fantastic performance from Progre, man. I was very impressed. Very impressed. <clears throat> okay. Let's um let's get right into the preview, shall we? Plenty to preview this weekend. Uh, I already talked about this, but I'll mention it again for those of you just jumping on. Uh, Friday, December 2nd, this Friday, Pro Box has a show in Plant City, Florida. That's the Pro Box Event Center right there in Plant City. I love what Gary Jonas has done here. Pro Box is 100% independently owned. Gary Jonas owns it. He is the founder, owner of Pro Box, and he built an event center, which is where they have a studio there where they shoot and film things. They also do fight cards there. So they own everything. They don't have corporate masters telling them what to do. They just want to do boxing. And this Friday, they have a show there. Uh, Plant City, if you don't know, is maybe, I think, 30 minutes um, east of Tampa, Florida. So it's there on the Gulf side of Florida. In the main event, Brandon Bulletproof Glanton, undefeated American cruiserweight, going up against undefeated New Zealand native cruiserweight David Light. Both of these guys rated in the top 10 of WBO. So the winner figures to be uh, in title contention next year against Lawrence Ocole. So this is a fight with title implications down the road. And then Saturday, December 3rd, we have action on both sides of the pond. Let's start over in London. Top rank and Queensbury promotions doing a co-promotion at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London. This will be broadcast on ESPN Plus here in the United States. Heavyweights in action. In the co-main event, Daniel Dubois going up against South African heavyweight, who's really a blown-up cruiserweight. So this looks like a, uh, a showcase matchup. Kevin Lorena. So I, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Kevin Lorena, but I don't think he's fought out of South Africa much, maybe once outside of South Africa. Correct me if I'm wrong here, guys. And uh, he's traveling to London for this card. And he spent most of his career as a cruiserweight, going in there against a big, physical, strong, although flawed and vulnerable at times, heavyweight Daniel Dubois. The reconstruction of Dubois continues after that stoppage loss he had against Joe Joyce recently. Uh, so they're keeping him busy. And in the main event, Tyson Fury versus Derek Chisora, the trilogy. This is a trilogy fight, has zero need. Tyson Fury clearly won the first and second fight. I want to say the first fight was a unanimous decision. Second fight was a knockout. And here we are into the third fight. So this is basically on paper what the Fury-Wilder trilogy fight was, except even less competitive, because at least Wilder dropped Fury a handful of times, right? I don't think Chisora has ever put a dent in Fury in the two fights they've had together. So, like, as unnecessary as the third fight between Fury and Wilder felt, this is way more unnecessary. What this is, ladies and gentlemen, what this is, is a stay busy fight for Tyson Fury. That's all it is. He had to fight against Dillian White earlier this year. He flattened Dillian White with uh, really, it wasn't that competitive at all. Pretty much one-way traffic, stopped him. One punch knockout, which is not something Fury does, not something he's known for. And so now he gets in there again. He stays busy. And him and his buddy, they can chop up some more money together. This fight will probably do numbers over there. I mean, um, Fury did good numbers in this fight with Dillian White. I don't know if this will do quite the same numbers, but it will do numbers. 
And I think this is a way for him to stay busy, stay sharp as they negotiate that fight between Fury and Alexander Usyk next year. And I still, I'm holding out hope and I'm being optimistic that that fight happens next spring, possibly next summer. I, I still feel that it does. And this is a way for Fury to stay active uh, while he prepares for that. So yeah, I'm not giving Chisora any real chance here. This is going to be a complete domination from Fury. He's going to have a good time, play around in there. And people could say he's earned that, you know, with the three tough fights with Wilder. Okay, fair enough. But he got to fight Usyk. Got to fight Usyk next year. After this fight with Chisora, the next fight got to be Usyk. If it's not, bad look. Real bad look. All right. Here in the United States, in Glendale, Arizona, Matchroom USA has a card at the Gila River Arena. This will be broadcast on the zone here in the U.S. of A. And a pretty loaded card with a lot of, like, little guys, a lot of flyweights um, and um, a couple of bigger prospects. But um, in the main event, Juan Francisco Estrada going up against Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez for the third time for the WBC light bantamweight title junior bantamweight title the, the, these guys have fought three times as i mentioned uh, the first bout was in 2012 at junior flyweight and that one chaka latito won pretty clearly that was in los angeles second fight the rematch was last year in texas and uh, it was a split decision for estrada now a lot of people including myself thought that chaka latito edged it i was ringside for my money Gonzalez won that, but it was close, was competitive. I didn't hate the decision because when they announced it, I was like, oh, man, we're going to get to see this again. That's That was the benefit to, to hearing uh, that decision because I did think Chocolatito won, but I don't think too many fans cared because we're getting the third fight. So, um, look, Chocolatito's a little bit older. Definitely been um, – through more tough fights because he's fighting naturally larger guys. And he's been doing that longer than Estrada. Even his recent opposition has been better. Uh, both of these guys fought earlier this year, but um, Chocolatito fought the tougher guy in Julio Cesar Martinez, who fights in the co-main, even though Martinez was moving up in weight from flyweight to junior bantamweight, Martinez missed weight. And he was actually a bantamweight that night when, uh, when Chocolatito fought him and still, Gonzalez, he dominated. So I, I think he should be sharper in this fight. I think he edges this one. I think we go to the scorecards again. I think we get another classic. And I think Chocolatito gets the decision this time, and he gets um, the, the rubber match against Estrada. In the co-main, I mentioned Martinez, who's Julio Cesar Martinez. Since he moved up, this is the, the insanity of the WBC. He moved up in weight, fought for uh, in another division, but missed weight in that division and still keeps his flyweight belt. So Martinez has his flyweight title, and this will be his fifth defense of that WBC flyweight title, going up against a Spanish fighter, Sam Samuel Carmona. And uh, he fought, Martinez did, he fought Chocolatito in March. Again, I think he was supposed to, you know, supposed to come in 115. I think he came in like 116, 117. He's got to get down to 112 for this one. But that was March. We're in November now. He's had eight months to work at it. He should make weight here. I'm expecting him to make weight. We shall see. If he misses weight, then the title will be on the line for Carmona only. 
And then also on this card, a few prospects, flyweight prospect, Jose Lito Velasquez, super middleweight prospect, Diego Pacheco, lightweight prospect, prospect Mark Castro. Uh, all interesting prospects to keep an eye on. So this is another solid card, man. Uh, you know, I talked about that Marv Nation card in, in L.A. last weekend. This card's similar. Where there's just a lot of little guys entertaining, some prospects on there. Should get some good fights, man. Should be very, very fun. And uh, it's on regular zone, which is great. All right. Let's um, see if I'm yeah, – no super chats. I think we are all caught up. So, oh, wait. I just said that, and then I think we just got another one. Uh, actually, I got to get this question from Alexander. He says, Montero, what did you make of Jamal Charlo calling out Dimitri Bevel this weekend? I, it's absolute nonsense. Absolutely. That was Jamal Charlo, right? I'm assuming it was Jamal Charlo. Absolute nonsense. I mean, Jamal Charlo hasn't fought one top fighter in the middleweight division, at least in their prime. The one guy he fought that was a top fighter at one time had been in like three or four straight wars going into his fight with Charlo. Um, that's at 160. Then there's 168. Then there's 175 where Bevel is. I just think it's absolutely ridiculously stupid. <clears throat> Sam with the super chat once again. Thank you so much. He said, I'm going to meet Jim. Chocolatito is a favorite, uh, minus 200 favorites against Estrada. I think those are the right odds. And I assume you, you're saying you're going to meet Jim Boone. Uh, friend of the show, good guy, uh, best ticket broker in the business. So, yeah, it makes sense that he'd be working that show. Jim loves working uh, Chocolatito shows, uh, Juan Francisco Estrada shows. Makes a lot of sense that he would be working that show. So I tell Jim I said what's up. Hope you guys have a great time, Sam. That should be a lot of fun. Women of the night, says Canelo is picking fights with Lionel Messi. I saw that. Yeah. Um, Messi said something on Twitter. Um, Argentina was playing Mexico and Canelo didn't like it. So he said something back and things got a little nasty there. Um, but you know what? I don't think Messi's going to get in the ring with, with Canelo anytime soon. I don't think that's going to happen. He knows what's up on that one. All right, guys, we got um, we got a bunch of calls here. So I'll get to as much as the, uh, of these as I can. Um, I can't do a super, super duper long show today. Me and my wife taking care of the baby. It's just the two of us. And uh, she needs me to help her out. All right. So um, we need to make these calls fast. I know I say that every week, but I mean it this time. I mean it this time. Okay. Let's jump to, it looks like we got Jack first up. Jack Alter. What's up, man? How you doing? Hey, I'm good. I'm driving. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you. Um, first thing I want to say before I forget, uh, did you watch the three knockdown rule with uh, Mario Lopez and Steve Kim? Uh, I usually do, but I did they have a show recently? Because they didn't have one for a while, man. Yeah, they haven't They haven't made one in a while. But one thing funny I wanted to say was uh, Mario had that fight to draw, and Steve Kim was like, uh, no, Mario's like, yeah, I, I thought it was close too. That's why I had it 6-6. Six, six. And then uh, Steve Kim was just like, yeah, but with the Mario Lopez Mexican bias, that really makes the Chocolatito 8-4. <laughs> <laughs> was, Steve calls him out on his shit, man. 
Steve calls him out in this shit. I love yeah, it. Yeah, no, but uh, yeah. Speaking of that fight, uh, Chavacito dominated. Well, I wouldn't say that. Well, eight four, not really domination, but it's clearly winning. And uh, he beat um, he beat Estrada that second fight eight uh, four. The first fight was great. I can't remember what I had it, but I just remember Chavacito won. Um, and I remember the commentators like Sergio Mora, who's like my least favorite person on earth, said in Estrada's last fight. He, when he was getting whooped the entire time by this guy, they were like, oh, what's going on? And then when he showed a little bit of success, Sergio Moore was like, yeah, that's why he beat you up with Tito, because he's a talented fighter. And I was like, bro, he never beat, he never beat Chocolate Tito. Get the, get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so, um, no, um, no, they're, they're just insane with that. Estrada never beat Chocolate Tito. Um, I wasn't on last week or week before that i can't even remember because uh for yanabek's fight but bro yanabek he needs to like after he said that wheelchair comment like to the bentley guy he needs to just to quote canelo again he needs to get the fuck out of here because he said to the bentley guy he was like uh when we meet he's like uh, your grandparents and children are gonna hate me because you're gonna be in a wheelchair and disabled once uh i'm done with you and bro that's just so disrespectful wow. i'm not a big fan of yanabek because of that yeah and not only that he's a boring fighter in my oh. opinion. Yeah. Um, no, but Yanabek, uh, they're, they're, they said, then the ESPN broadcast, they said, um, okay, who's going to fight all these, uh, they showed all the top fighters at middleweight saying, who's going to fight Yanabek? And then they showed like Charlo, they're like, no. And then they showed a picture of Triple G saying not happening. And I was like, dude, Yanabek has stated publicly he does not want to fight Golovkin. So don't try and say that Golovkin's ducking Yanabek. So don't come at me with that bullshit. They're literally both Kazakh-like brothers, so they're not going to fight each other because of that. So, like, like whatchamacallit, Yanabek literally calls Golovkin Big Brother on Twitter. So mm. ESPN with that bullshit commentary. And then I forgot to mention uh, when the Loma fought, like, Tim Bradley kept saying, I'm telling you, Lomachenko may be extraordinary, but without the angles, he's ordinary. And, bro, Tim Bradley's such a dumbass. Like, I'm not trying to get into too much, like, shit with people this show but tim bradley's just like that comment is just ridiculous but um i like to see uh Chizora getting a payday against fury he deserves it because he's fought literally everyone on earth except that's a Joshua good point because that hasn't come up that's a good point yeah no is it not bro he deserves it he's fought everyone yeah except joshua just because there there wasn't like an opportunity for that to happen i mean he's fought vitaly klitschko and you know if you fight vitaly klitschko that's that's not that's kind of rare to do because he never, he rarely fought. But, um, anyways, man, I know you got a bunch of callers, but, um, pro gray looked really good last week. Um, I wasn't a fan of him because he just seems like a punk. Just, it just seems like a giant asshole. Just the way he's talking. He's like, yeah, man. But, um, now he seemed pretty respectful after the interview to Zapata. So not really a fan still just because of the way he conducts himself. But I mean, the way he fights, bro, he's a great fighter pro gray. And I don't know how he lost to Josh Taylor. That was like a draw, if I remember, like when I scored it. But, bro, he looked very impressive. Yeah, he's one of my favorite fighters to watch, man. He's just got a great style. Great style. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, isn't there another fight next week or is it just the two trilogies? Uh, that's what we got this week. And then Inouye's fighting soon. So that's what's coming up later. But this weekend, it's just those two trilogies, yeah. In a way, yeah, in a way, Crawford, Tiafimo, those guys all fight like yeah. in uh, 
later on. But yeah, man, I think I think that's all I got. Um, I hope all is well with you. I hope uh, little Jacqueline's doing all right. And uh, yeah, man, I hope you're still grinding, still grinding with those workouts. Oh, I'm trying, man. I'm trying. I appreciate it, Jack. Yeah, no worries, man. Hey, you take care. Thanks a lot. You too, man. Yeah, I actually, uh, man, I haven't worked out in several days and it's it's just driving me nuts. I can't go more than like two days without working out. And it's it's been like five days now just because me and Tiff just haven't had any free time. Um, so I got to get to the gym tomorrow. I just got to. It actually starts to affect my sleep. Even though I'm like exhausted, I had trouble sleeping last night because I haven't worked out. I just got to work out. Anyway, uh, I got to get this question here from Cole Matsuda because it's a really interesting question. He said, has either Spence or Crawford achieved a Mosley or Koto type of Hall of Fame career? The answer is easy. No. I do think Crawford's closer simply because three-division world champion. And yes, we're in a watered-down era. I, I understand all that. But he was technically undisputed at 140. I get it. Division was weak. The guy he beat for a title at 35 and 47, not very great fighters. I get it. But still the accomplishment. Those things are enough to eventually get him in the Hall of Fame, especially if he ends up moving up to 154 at some point and winning a title there, which I think he can. I really do think he can. Um, Spence, yes, he's unified belts. He has done that. Outside of that, though, I've not a whole lot else. And um, he's never, he, he traveled once to the UK to beat Kell Brook. I understand that. But, you know, I, Kell Brook coming off the Triple G fight where his face was literally broken. He had to get his face, reconstructive surgery on his head. Okay. Um, so there's that. But, um, you know, just both of these guys have had good careers. Spence and Crawford. If they retired tomorrow, very good careers. They've made millions of dollars you know, achieve more in boxing than 99.9% .9 of fighters ever will. All right. That's a given, but are they on the level of a Shane Mosley or a Miguel Cotto? No, clearly not. Now, if one goes on, you know, if they fight next year, finally, and the winner goes up to 154 and let's say beats Jermel Charlo or something becomes undisputed at 154. Now we're having a different conversation. That's a completely different conversation, but right now, hell no. All right, back to the phones we go. <clears throat> um, actually, I want to get this comment from Gail. Uh, Progre is confident, but an intelligent and thoughtful guy out of the ring. Uh, voracious reader, too. Um, absolutely right, Gail. I, I've talked to Regis Progre offline because I've done you know interviews with him. I've done articles, stories about him. And I've talked to people that have worked with him, you know, on the promotional side, but also like in the gym, he's actually like a really intelligent, very interesting, cool guy. Sometimes he plays up a character and stuff for the cameras, whatnot. Okay. But actually he reads a lot. He loves reading about boxing history, loves history stuff. Right. Uh, so he's very well versed on the sport and the sports history, which is awesome for a fighter. I think it gives a fighter extra depth that I truly believe can help them in a fight. I know it sounds crazy. Because you're like, oh, being a boxing nerd, how the hell does that help? Well, maybe when you're in the trenches sometimes, uh, there's just a little extra to it uh, when you have that depth, that knowledge, 
that base that you can go back to. Uh, also in, in, in training in the gym, I do think it helps. So I, I'm a big fan of Regis Progray all around. Uh, Mike, Michael Mendiola says, uh, check it in from Napoli, Naples, Italy. It's almost midnight here. Gino and Toto Sorbillo pizza is the bomb. All right. Gino and Toto Sorbillo. Sorry. Pizza is the bomb. Man, Mendiola, I hope you guys are having a great time, bro. Enjoy Naples. Um, that's awesome, man. I actually have um, heritage from Naples on my father's side. Napoli. And then we got a super chat from Anthony Santiago. Appreciate that so much. He says, uh, what's up, Mike and chat? What's going on with Virgil Ortiz? He's turning into a once-a-year fighter, too. Bivol sounds like he's getting tired of Canelo's excuses. Virgil Ortiz, dude, I don't know. I don't know. Um, him and Ryan Garcia, not necessarily the most active guys. And those are the two guys that Golden Boy Promotions has that keeps them in the black every year. If I were Golden Boy, I'd have both of them fighting at least three times a year. I'd explain to them, and Oscar has, because he did this in his career, that you know if it's a stay-busy fight, you're getting this pay rate. If it's an elite-level fight, you get that premium pay rate. And just whack it up and do, you know, three, four fights a year. You know, some of them are premium pay, uh, premium paydays. Some of them are stay busy paydays. But um, I don't know, dude, because Virgil Ortiz is another guy I really, really like as a fighter. Just his attitude is another guy I've talked offline with a lot. And um, in, our, in an intelligent, um, interesting young guy for, at such a young age, too. There's just a lot of depth to him, I think. And um, I like his character as a fighter. Uh, Ryan Garcia obviously is, you know, the star and everything, the pretty boy that um, Golden Boy Promotions really wants to get out there and promote. But um, to me, doesn't necessarily have the depth that Virgil Ortiz has. Not to diss the guy. I'm just, it's just, they're very different personalities. Um, but for me, I know where I'd be investing my money. It'd be in Virgil Ortiz. Anyway, yeah, dude, Once he's fighting once a year. Not cool. Uh, for Bivol, look, Dimitri Bivol is going to do what he's going to do. He's in the driver's seat. So whatever Nello says in his excuses, um, I, I don't think he's going to pay too much mind to that. I really think he wants to fight better BF next year. And I'm all for it, man. Ant adds, uh, it's taken Spence like four years to unify LOL. Absolutely true, bro. Absolutely true. And there's a million other names I could bring up of fighters who have unified and even some that have gone undisputed in recent years that have done it in literally a quarter of the time, one third of the time that it's taken Spence. And Spence hasn't even cleaned the whole thing out. Um, so in that respect, like I respect that his unified belts. I respect that very, very highly, but it's completely, it's all been in-house. And if it's all in-house, why did it take this long? And why did you go to all these pay-per-views and stuff? I just, you know, I respect it, but um, I don't know, dude. Sometimes, you know, we just have to ignore the belts, guys. In certain situations, yeah, it just doesn't matter as much. Michael Mendiola says, I know Sean Zapata personally and have been firsthand um, at multiple camps of his. He was one-dimensional Saturday, never utilized half of the skills he has. He's actually a better orthodox fighter than Southpaw. That's interesting, man. That's interesting. All right, back to the phones real quick. We're going to get a few more phone calls, then we'll get out of here. 
Uh, let's go to Los Angeles. 818, what's up? You're on the show. Michael. Yes. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, sir, I can. What's up? Awesome. A uh, long-time listener since maybe late 2015, 2016, since Dang, he used awesome. to do the show at the, yeah, the cigar shop with uh, oh, man. Kim. Yeah, that, that was, yeah, that's been a while. But I'm, I'm going to keep it short. I'll leave the the remarks and the comments regarding this past weekend to your following callers. I just have a couple questions, just kind of like hypothetical or whatever, however you want to word that. But so if if Bavall and Better Beer falls out, if this fight doesn't happen, will this be a bigger letdown than Kovalev and Stevenson? Interesting question, man. Um, wow, that's a really good one. You know. I'm going to say no, because I just, I think that Stevenson and Kovalev were bigger names, you know, uh, as good as Bevo is becoming a name now, but, um, you know, Kovalev was fighting on HBO and, and Stevenson was for a while. And then he went over to Showtime, but those guys had bigger names. I want to say Stevenson had won like awards at certain platforms before and Kovalev was seen as this like destroyer, you know, and um, people were really looking forward to that fight for undisputed in America. Uh, globally, perhaps Bevel and Baturbiev is just as big, but I don't know about that, dude. I, I just think they're not as big of names. And um, now, now look, if, if, three or four years go by and they never fight, then, then yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's the same. Maybe it's even, but at one point, dude, Kovalev and Stevenson would have been one of the biggest fights in boxing. It really would have. And what that fight not happening, uh, I think was more disappointing. Okay. Yeah. Cause they were each uh, fighter of the year, 2013, 2014. So. Is that what, okay. Yeah. I, Cause I know Stevenson won fighter of the year. I didn't know if Kovalev did. So when you put it in that kind of perspective, bro, now look, Bevo should win fighter of the year this year. So maybe that conversation will change. But at this moment, I, I would edge that to like Kovalev Stevenson. Cool. Okay, uh, one more similar uh, type of question. If Fury and Usyk falls out, suppose it doesn't happen next year, will this be, like where would you rank this among the past quarter century of uh uh, Lewis and Bo, uh, mm. Italian Lewis too, and Joshua Wilder. Would you would you uh, rate the rate the Usyk and uh, Fury not happening uh, below those or above those? Like, how would you rank those? I, commercially, obviously, it's it's below them, right? Because um, right. Lewis and Bo were much bigger stars. Um, Joshua Wilder, at its peak, was perhaps the biggest fight that could be made in boxing. A few years back, um, and then uh, what was the other one? Uh, Vitali and and Lewis, the rematch that would have been the biggest fight in the sport at the moment too. As big as Fury Usyk is, as is important as it is, it's just not going to be anywhere near as commercially successful as commercially big with like the crossover casual fan as those other fights you mentioned. That being said, for me as a boxing nerd and historian, it's just as important because it's for the undisputed heavyweight championship. And if Usyk were able to pull that off, 
being undisputed cruiserweight and heavyweight. That's like that's unprecedented uh, in this era of like super heavyweights. That would be insane. All right. Well, uh, that's it. Um, and if you don't mind, can I give her a couple of shout outs? Absolutely, bro. Go for it. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to uh, Gail Falkenthal. I, I know she's been a long time commentator on in your chat, and I want to give a shout out to Johnny Boxing. I always enjoy his uh, commentary on uh, you know recent fights, his channel, and a shout out to I believe he calls himself Thad, uh, by far my favorite, most entertaining caller on your show. Awesome, man! All three of those guys are all stars. Great shout outs, brother. Right on. All right, Michael. Uh, enjoy enjoy the fights this weekend, and uh, God bless. And if, if anything, enjoy your, your Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thanks a lot, brother. Same to you. Great call, man. All right, take care. All right. Uh, let's see. I just want to make sure I'm caught up on chats. Yes, I am. Okay, let's keep the party going. Let's get to this next call. Five five nine. What's up? You're on the show. Hey, what's up, man? It's uh, it's me, Miguel. What's up, Miguel? How you doing, man? Miguel Puente Flores. It's been a while, Mike. I'm doing good. Um, I'm walking again. I've been walking for almost two months. I was out for like four because I had a horrible back injury, which turned into a sciatic nerve injury, and I was literally paralyzed. I didn't rest right after running far, and uh, but now I'm back. That's that's, uh, that's just history now. Thank God we're good. Um, it's great seeing you and Tiff and the baby, man. <laughs> Me and my girlfriend be like looking at you guys' pics on Facebook and like we'd be hearing your show and stuff. It's just great, bro. Thank you for the good energy. Just keep it up, you know? Thanks, man. Thanks. We're trying, brother. Um, yeah, no, you're not trying. You're doing it, bro. You're doing it. But Thank check you. it out. Look, um, I want to comment real quick. I want, the primary reason I'm calling it because I mean, I, uh, even as the show goes on, you know, there's a, there's a pay to fight. No one's really, there's a pay to progress fight. No one's really digging into the trenches on that one, you know, uh, too much. But I'm going to, because look, I, for one, I was going for Cepeda. Um, he has shown great elite levels with different types of skill sets, uh, especially with the Ramirez fight. The Ivan Branches fight, that was that was more of a who's tougher, you know, but still he pulled out on it. So he showed great chin. But I was I was really relying more on I was betting on him. More. I mean I wasn't betting, but I was you know what I mean going for him because of the Ramirez fight. Because even though he lost, dude, he showed a masterful southpaw um, attack. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Very slick, very elusive. He was he was moving his head a lot. He was uh, uh, stepping in with his feet a little more wider, going in lower, up and down, kind of like Lomachenko does. I was like, dude, he got this, but. I mean, hey, this is boxing, and I clearly forgot who Regis Progre is. Rougarou. Shouts out to uh, Regis Progre because, once again, you know, um, in a 50-50 fight, uh, you, you see one fighter that completely, I use the word, befuddled the other one. You can know someone personally outside of the ring, you know, no offense to the other callers. You can know someone all you want, but you, not, you, you never know until you step inside that ring. Mm-hmm. What each other's made out of it. At this level, uh, man, progress just completely outclassed them. And I don't just mean it in the in the simple technical terms. I mean, you've talked about it before, Michael. The 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 9 o'clock. Move your head. Don't stop moving. 
be slick when you're on the inside, use your shoulders, set up them inside shots big. This guy just had him confused. He And, and you can tell Progress just let him, you know, he was just, like they say, Progress was downloading information the first round or two the most. After that, it was a shutout, dude. It was a shutout. And um, the thing was, that surprised me the most is he actually stopped the Pedro, bro. Mm-hmm. You know he he, he he did it with uh he did it with the head movement and he, he caught him with that left and he kicked, I, it was it was sad to watch because I was going for the guy I was I'm, I'm a Mexican off top I'm a goal for him you know what I mean but man I don't know uh, any he's a problem for anyone uh, what do you think about it Yeah I, look was it the first time the pay that was stopped Let me see I want to see that. So I believe I've never heard of him ever getting even hurt like that. Like, I mean, he's been hurt, but he's got up and like nothing, you know. But this was like, dude, you're not getting up. <laughs> yes. Okay. So he's been, he got stopped by Terry Flanagan. Oh, but you know what? That was, I think that was an injury. He like tore his shoulder or yeah. something. Like, yeah. 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 So yeah, this is the first time that he's been hurt um, this bad. He's been dropped before. I know he's been dropped. I think Carlos Diaz dropped him, but um, it just he was beat up in this fight, dude. He got beat up, and to see Progre do that to him was really, really impressive. Um, I just I think Progre is a serious player at 140, bro. Every time, every time we talk about all these fighters and stuff like that, this is why I like your show because you give us the opportunity, man. Thank you, like it's just me. I, I don't know. I think it's probably my OCD or whatever that kicks in, when, especially about boxing. I bought myself, but I go by the skill sets. And by skill sets, not just the punches they throw, but like the endurance, chin, fortitude, personal integrity, uh, the attitude, personality. Someone mentioned earlier, I think it was Jack, a program might come off as off-putting, but to me, he's not. You got to remember, this guy's from Louisiana. You're just not going to intimidate these dudes. You're not. And on top of that, they have something that a lot of these other fighters claim to have, but they don't back it up. This guy has swagger, dude. Yeah. So that's why the other fighters don't really talk about him. The last one I tried to talk about him was Javante Davis, and, and Prograve straight up put up a little video. It was a short, but he told him straight, hey, Dog, hey your own lane, little boy. Prograve you know was I mean? fucked Because he's mean, you know what I mean? He's, and he's, and he's, very, he's a very, excuse me, he's a very confident dude. You understand? And when, with that confidence, that's why he raises his little eyebrow up every time he's in the ring, pacing back and forth. Because, dude, there's nothing that you're going to tell him or do that's going to just crack his that shield he got. And that's what fighters need to to download and study, dude. Study that guy. Look at him. He's older. He's in his 30s, bro. No one's even talking about that. I, don't, I forget how old he is, but isn't he like 36? Who? Tank? Pro Gray. Oh, Pro Gray. Uh, he's at least 30. Let me he's check. A- he's 33. 33. Yeah, so so here for a boxer, you know, I mean, come on, that's kind of old these days, and he's yeah. doing good. Like, look, I mean, you know what I mean? Gavin's ghost says to say that a great moment in the night. Time progress was perfectly. Peach one two, and progress had to bluff his way to the first. Yeah, that's 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 correct. Like that, that's exactly what happened. All based off that crazy head movement. I just I can't stop repeating in my head uh, what I seen. I just, uh, you never see them stay still. It was like a video game. I swear to God, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, wow. Shirt, like, and Cepeda was just saying, you know, me trying his best. He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. And yeah. I think they should have put a towel in, in my opinion. 
Maybe. Maybe because that stoppage, look, he, he, he took some punishment those last couple of rounds for sure. But, yeah, man, I just wanted to come in on the fight. Uh, God bless you. Thank you for letting me call in. It's like a way of me. Uh, I mean, I'm going to say, like, let it stress out and just being who I am, you know, talk boxing with people that understand it like me. And thank you to all the callers. Um, and, yeah, this is it. Uh, God bless you, Mike. Thanks a lot, Miguel. I appreciate the kind words, brother. Have a good night. Sure. Yeah, I love I love that Miguel said that that you know sometimes just just hanging out talking boxing. Um it's stress release and um look, we're all boxing nerds, right? We're all fight degenerates on, on the boxing degenerates here. Um <laughs> especially me. Uh, you know, I, I love talking about this stuff and sometimes it can just get you through a stressful time, man. Um, you know, I'm dealing with a five-week-year-old infant, and uh today I won't go into too much details. You know, I know you guys don't care about all the personal stuff, but she, um, she was fussy today. Wouldn't sleep, wouldn't go down, wouldn't take her nap. So, uh, me and my wife have just been up for, I don't know, 36 straight hours, basically, um, taking care of her. It's, it's, it's rough. We're, we're just, we're very tired. So coming out here to talk with you guys just a little bit, um, it kind of breaks that up and it's, it's, it's therapeutic for me. So if it could be therapeutic for some of you guys out there, then all the better. That makes me feel great, man. Um, great comment here from Double Jab Slip Right Hand. Boom, 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 boom. He says, your show's a breath of fresh air. The other boxing shows on YouTube are pure clownery, race-obsessed lunatics, or fake thugs who think they're hosting some kind of hip-hop radio show. Uh, hey, man, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, l- listen, man, uh, YouTube, there's a lot of craziness out here. All the social media. Um, it's crazy. I appreciate the kind words. And then uh, Christian says, uh, Tank will never fight pro gray. Yeah, I don't see any like a fight like that happening. No, but damn, would it be fun though? Oh my god, could you imagine? Timmy Turner says, Pro gray would beat Tank like a drum. That's how I see it too. Listen, Tank would land punches, he would land punches on pro gray. Uh, he is explosive, um, but I do think that pro gray would just bully the guy. I just think he would. Chris Bergen says, madness, how Tank is nearly 30 years old and still hasn't fought anybody with a pulse. I agree, Chris. I agree. But, hey, you bring that up, and Leonard Dellerby, he will uh, will jump down your throat real quick. He gets really upset at that. Eric Rosas says, love boxing fans who actually speak unbiased and honesty. Great call. Yeah, I I agree, brother. I agree. Um, (laughs) Alexander says, Tank Davis is scouting the winner of Estrada versus Chocolatito 3. That's <laughs> hilarious. Oh, man. It's hilarious. Eric uh, says, I will pray for you, Mike. The dad life is strong in you, bro. Thank you, man. I'm I'm trying. Sometimes I feel like I, I'm like, am I doing a good job or am I doing a shitty job? <laughs> I think all dads kind of think that, right? It's like, oh, man, am I, am I doing a good enough job? I think we are. Every doctor's checkup, we take the baby too. The doctor's like, Oh, she's gaining weight right on track. You know, everything's cool. Everything looks good. So, um, anyway, all right, let's, um, let's get back to the phones. Oh, we got Nacho on the line. This might be our last call today, guys. Uh, let's get Nacho on the line here. Nacho, what's up, brother? How you doing? Hey Mike, uh, I'm good. Uh, it sounds like you're having a rough time, but yeah. I hope you keep uh, hanging in there. <laughs> yeah, I try, man. You know, Okay. Uh, yeah, just real quick. Um, 
I kind of wanted to touch on the Zapata fight because not too many people have talked about it. Honestly, Mike, just from having watched the fight, I honestly felt like I think that Zapata was really tight in the fight. And I think having the fight in, in his hometown and having a lot of supporters there, I think he got tight. And you could see it in the fight, like whereas Progre was very loose and fluid and fought like he had nothing to lose. Uh, Zapata was the exact opposite. He fought extremely tight. He fought almost nervous, very, very jittery, didn't exactly let his punches go. And then eventually when he did start letting his shots go, he was able to hurt Progre, but by then it was kind of too late. And unfortunately, there's just some guys that when the when the spotlight gets really bright and the heat gets intense, they don't always rise to the occasion. And maybe that's just what happened to Zepeda. And it's unfortunate, but you got to give Progress credit. He went in there. He did what he had to do. He took him apart um, as the fight went on. And then that finish was just uh, incredible. I ne- never thought he was going to finish Zepeda. So congrats to Progress for winning the fight. And I know Zepeda will come back. But it's going to be a, a tough uh, road to, to haul yeah. coming back for sure from that loss. Um, and then uh, there was a couple of fights on the undercard that I thought were really interesting. That uh, Jalalov heavyweight, oh my God, Mike, he went to town on uh, Curtis Harper. And you could just hear those shots when he was landing them. Mm-hmm. I was like, my goodness, if this guy lands on some of these guys who are in the top 10, top 15 oof this guy's gonna be a problem like he's huge and he's in shape and he's got a good corner with joel diaz training him um i think if they give that guy a few more fights i think he can legitimately be in the mix as a contender because he he has some uh legit skills and that size and and the and the the uh ability to um adjust I think are going to help him as he moves along. But, man, he put up a, a really good performance taking Harper out the way he did. And then uh, Charles Conwell, um, man, I don't know what the hell Juan Carlos Abregu ate before he went in the ring or, or what it is he was eating during training camp. But, man, that dude is tough as nails. Mm-hmm. Conwell hit him with shots all throughout the fight. And other than a couple of times where he hurt him with body shots, he was never really able to hurt him to the head. It was unbelievable. And he landed some really uh, hard uh, head-snapping shots. And he and Gambrello just took him. It was crazy. But I think that win was a good learning experience for Conwell to have a guy like that, a veteran who just wasn't going to yeah. go away. Great and point. he Great had point. A, a cut on his eye. He had a cut on his eye, and it was bleeding, and it was bothering him. And he fought through all that adversity, and he still won the fight. Um, I thought it was interesting that he called out Danny Garcia. Not that I think that fight would happen, but do you think that would be a solid matchup for him, Mike, if if it was a possibility? I think so, just because of where Jacobs, you know, where he is at this point. But I, I don't understand that matchup because Jacobs has been at like 68. No, no, no. Danny Garcia. Oh, you said Danny Jacobs. Okay, I did. Okay, okay. 
I'm deliriously tired. No, I said Danny uh, Garcia. I'm sorry. sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah I, I actually think that would that be a good matchup for Conwell at this point just because of Garcia's experience. He's not a very hard-punching guy. He wasn't at welterweight, certainly not at 154. So, um, yeah, I think that'd be a great developmental fight because Garcia would go rounds. It'd be another distance fight. He'd get rounds with the experienced guy. And um, I, sure, but I don't think it's going to happen, not at all. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. I I mean, I give him credit for wanting a big name, but yeah, I don't think that that per, that fight would happen. Um and then uh with uh Parker Ryder Mike, I was kind of disappointed. A lot of people were really hyping up Zach Parker to be like a player yeah. at 68 and it was just a matter of time before he beat Ryder. But to me, that fight was close. And then all of a sudden to see Parker just get up his get off his stool go to Ryder and say, oh, I'm done, and then kind of just be very nonchalant about it. I was like, ooh, wow, like, that's surprising. A lot of guys have fought through broken hands before and gutted it out and, and showed grit and toughness to do it, and yet Parker wasn't willing to go there. I mean, that's a very telling sign, I think, if you're not willing to, you know, dig deep when you have to in a situation like that, then what's going to happen the next time you face adversity? Are you just going to up and quit then as well? Um, and uh, Ryder, I mean, it, it's funny. Like I told you on Twitter, Mike, Andre gave up the shot to fight Parker and let Ryder get that shot. And now it looks like Ryder's probably going to end up yeah. getting the next uh, Canelo Golden ticket. I'm so He's glad you be mentioned that. Himself right now, I forgot. I forgot to even bring that up, Nacho. Thank you so much for mentioning that. I'm so tired today. I completely forgot to mention that. But that's a great point, isn't that crazy, man? I, Andre talked yeah. himself out of. What if he beat Parker last weekend? Now he's got that Canelo fight he's wanted so desperately. But he didn't take that fight, and now John Ryder's going to get it. It's crazy, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just funny how the, the world works, and mm -hmm. unfortunately, that's another bad decision that Andre has uh, made in his career, and, and now he's kind of in no man's land, and we don't know what he's going to do next at this point because nobody's all that thrilled to face him, and he keeps turning down fights. I mean, yeah. It's crazy that Ryder now is in the driver's seat to get a Canelo payday, and crazy. and Andre is just sitting on the sidelines, still trying to figure out what he's going to do next. And he doesn't even have his belt then, no um, more. Yeah, and he doesn't have a title either. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's the worst part as well. Um, and then for the fight this weekend, Mike, um, the Fury Chisora. I expect Fury to win that fight. I don't really see um, Chisora putting. He might put up some resistance, but I think. Eventually, Fury wears him down and probably takes him out. I'd say probably like in the seventh or eighth round, he probably stops him. Um, and then uh, Dubois being on the undercard, I mean, it's a stay-busy fight against that Kevin Lerma guy because Kevin Lerma's not a real heavyweight. He's a cruiserweight that moved up. So I think it's just kind of a stay-busy fight. But I would like to see Dubois get a shot at somebody with a name soon because, I mean, he does have that regular... WBA belt. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't think him fighting small cruiserweights uh, is exactly the trajectory that he wants to see his career go. But we'll we'll see what uh, is in store next year um, for him. And then with the uh, 
the the third fight between Cho, uh, Choco and Estrada. Um, I mean, I can't wait to see that fight. Both of those guys, you know, are kind of hitting into the uh, twilight of their career. Like you said, Mike, I think uh, Gonzalez has fought the better opposition since the last fight. But the thing about Estrada, though, is that I don't know if you've noticed it, Mike, but Estrada tends to fight to the level of his competition. Absolutely. Um, he fought that He fought that stay busy fight, looked kind of crappy. A lot of people were crapping all over him because of the performance. But it's funny, as soon as he gets a big name in there, he rises to the occasion. And I think he's going to do it again. I think he's going to rise to the occasion. And I think we're going to see a hell of a fight. I don't know who to pick, to be honest with you, Mike. I mean, my my heart says Estrada, but my head says Chocolatito finds a way, I think, to probably win that fight. It's going to be close, but mm-hmm. I think we're going to definitely see something special for sure. So, all right, Mike, um, that, that's it. I appreciate it, man. Good stuff is always natural. All right, man. Yeah, thanks. Have a good one. All right, guys, I think that's it for this week. Um, we'll try to do a show Friday. I know I haven't done a Friday show in a while, but I actually think um, this Friday it might work out because um, it, it just depends on a few different things. We shall see. But we actually have some good stuff to preview this weekend. So anyway, guys, have a great, great week. And uh, I'll see you at the fights. We'll do it again soon. Peace.